Washington football team fans, what is up guys? It's Jalen coming to you with another episode of the BNBNG Podcast, episode 35. But guys, this is a jovial episode. I'm in an amazing mood. And the reason that I'm in an amazing mood is because the Washington football team shocked the NFL and shocked the entire country by beating the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 29-19. to So guys, as I told you, this is episode 35, but the title of this episode is going to be called Shocked, But Not Really. And the reason why I'm calling this Shocked, But Not Really, because whether it be the Dallas game in 2014, whether it be the game against the Green Bay Packers in 2016, the game on Sunday, the Sunday night football game against the Oakland Raiders in 2017, the game against the Packers again in 2018. The Washington football team always seems to find a way to win a, a, a game that they're not supposed to win. You can go back to even last year against you know the win on that Monday primetime game against the Pittsburgh Steelers when they were undefeated. So uh, like I said, if we shocked the NFL and everybody, you know, your, your pundits all over the national sports media, you're going to be hearing Skip Bayless tomorrow, Stephen A. Smith tomorrow, shocked that the Washington football team, you know, won the football game as, you know, coming in as double-digit favorites in some sports books is minus 10 favorites, I mean, plus 10 favorites or plus nine and a half at other sports books. But guys, like I said, if you're true Washington football team fans like we here are at Bleeding B&G, this is something that we're known to do. Whether it be the Washington Redskins or the Washington football team, we, we, we're, we're known to always get one that we're not supposed to get. And I think that this is the one for the year. Um, and, and guys, the crazy thing is, like, we dominated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, we played our style of football. The game was played on our terms. And we, we, we were the better team for all four quarters. And it, it was a, we won in dominating fashion against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know what this has to say for the prospects of the rest of the season. And, you know, with typical Washington football team luck, you know, usually with that late season run that pushes down the draft position where we're ultimately never getting a franchise quarterback. So I don't know if this is the start of a trend that always seems to be happening for the Washington football team community. But I'm going to just bask in this glory. I'm going to live in this moment because it was an amazing, an amazing, an amazing Sunday and an amazing game. As you guys know, I'm there every game. Season ticket holder, you can catch me in section 139. And it was lit in there today. It was lit. Now the place wasn't the most full. Don't get me wrong. But there was it was more full than, than the last couple of games I've been to. And while it wasn't the most full, the crowd was energetic throughout and I think that the biggest reason is because like I said Washington was dominating throughout I think that you know we get so caught up in a lot of the nuances and things like that where we really don't really pay attention to the cause and effect of things like that you know we talk about how the crowd is quiet how the crowd is never there and things like that well the crowd that does show up they rarely ever have anything to cheer for so why would they be not loud like why would they have why would they be be causing a home field advantage when they don't have anything to cheer for? That's silly. That's silly. So I'm gonna give you a timestamp as I do for every episode. Today is Sunday, November the 14th, and it's about 11:46 p.m. So we're about a quarter before quarter of an hour before midnight. And guys, like I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. I'm trying to hold my composure because it is late at night. I don't want to wake up anybody, but I'm ecstatic. Taylor Heineke balled today. So you know we're gonna start with the offense. Taylor Heineke had a stat line that ran for 26 of 32 for 256 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions for 110. 
um, passer rating, and that was that was tremendous. That was tremendous, and I really want to touch bases on Taylor's performance because I really thought that he played really solid today. Nothing too too crazy. Nothing that was gonna really gonna want us to be like, oh no, we found our guy, or oh no, we don't want to go look for our franchise quarterback during the off season. But he played a really well football game, and he played a football game that's good enough for decent football teams to win. And Washington was more than a decent football team today. First, he protected the ball. He held up and he protected the ball very well. And I think part of it was the realization that he's playing against Tom Brady. So he took some of that Tom Brady zen. And, you know, he was Tom Brady was actually the guy that was throwing the ball all over the yard. And we're going to get touched based on that when we get to the defense. But I think that he realized that he had to play Tom Brady. or He was playing Tom Brady and that he had to protect the football. And that's what Taylor did. And the reason that I say this is because some plays, um, he took a couple of sacks because he was holding the ball longer than usual and the offensive line was giving him a lot of time especially early in the game they did kind of wear down as players got hurt and things like that as Brandon Scherf took up took off a couple of snaps and things like that uh, but Brad, um, Taylor did hold on to the ball but the reason that I did that is because I think that he was just keeping himself from throwing the throwing throwing interception or having a turnover worthy play so he was just, he would rather take the sack than, um, than um, having a turnover or a fumble or an interception and things like that. And there was one play in the first half that really like solidified or validated this opinion that I had. He actually took a two-yard sack when he could have, in my opinion, he took he could have threw the ball out of bounds for, you know, no gain. Um, yeah, it would have been a risky throw out of bounds. I mean, it would have been a risky throw because the defense was closing down on him. I don't know if he thought he didn't have the time to get the ball off. Um, so, rather eat the sack and things like that. But that just solidified all that I thought that. He was he was playing uber, uber, uber protective of the football today. And it wasn't bad. Um, I think these last couple of games, he's been in his head a lot. Um, trying to trying to be protective of the football, but today he was playing free uh, early in the early in the game. Um, and for a couple of snaps in the first half, um, Scott Turner had no huddle and things like that, which I which I think allowed where's Taylor shining. You know, Taylor's an improv quarterback, and I think he shines when the pace of the game is fast and things like that. So even though you know the game resulted in him playing, you know, protect. Uh, protect turnover free ball protection football and things like that i didn't really see him pressing and thinking about doing it all throughout the game and things like that which is a positive because when taylor's at his best is when he's doing improv is when he's reading quick when he's progressing through his routes quickly and things like that and when he's just moving fast on the field this is the guy's an athlete we saw him scramble we saw him get that big first down um on the third and two on the last drive of the game so taylor played a really good game um and cheers to you, Taylor Heineke. That was, that was a really good performance. Now, on Antonio Gibson. Um, Antonio Gibson's stat line didn't read crazy. It was 24 carries for 64 yards for 2.7 yards per, uh, 2.7 yard per carry average. But Antonio Gibson was huge. Huge in that last drive of the game, guys. If you, Antonio Gibson was huge, as I said, his final stat line read as he had 64 yards. I, I I would make a bet that almost half of those yards came on that final 19 play 10 minute drive. And shout out to the office for that. That is how you put a game away, and that's what good teams do. That's what good teams do. And you keep a, a goat like the best quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, off the field. Shout out to Raul Rivera for that call going forward on fourth and one. Um, with 31 seconds left, it was an amazing call, not even giving Brady a chance. You know, you're only up by four, so even if you don't get it, you know, he has to drive 99 yards in 31 plays. And with the way your defense was playing this today, 
um, as I'll touch base on the defense later. I, I, I love the call, but Antonio, going back to Antonio Gibson, he was huge. He was he was huge on that uh, on that drive. Uh, not only um, running the ball, but he also went out on the backfield and had a huge catch coming out the backfield as well. So I, I, I love what I saw from Gibson, but I still don't think he's a hundred percent, and I don't think he has all the twitchiness that I saw early in the year or in his rookie season. I don't think he's fully you know coming back with all that juice that he had, you know that four three speed that I've seen before. He he toughed it out. He was moving the pile. He was running downhill. He was giving guys his shoulder uh, he put his shoulder down on Whitehead who's a hard hitter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and made a statement made a statement once he did that Tampa Bay didn't really want to play again like that that I, I, I said in the stands I said this game is over after that even though we were only about four and you know there was a lot of time left on the clock I saw that he took the soul out of out of Tampa Bay's heart uh, he took the soul out of Tampa Bay's body with that run so a uh, shout out to Antonio Gibson man because I know you're fighting through a plethora of injuries and I've been hard on you but man you 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 fought through it today you fought through it today and that's all that I can ask for that's all that I can ask for I love I just love I love seeing my guys compete we ain't got to win every game I know we're not going to win every game I'm realistic but if we compete that's all I can ask for now I was brutally harsh on you last game but you deserve all the praise for not a too crazy scrap line but you know who also deserves some praise as well it's Scott Turner because everybody and their mother, like I told you before, guys before, those national media pundits, all you heard on FS1, all you heard on NFL Network, all you heard on ESPN was Washington needs to abandon the run. And granted, you know, that's all that the teams in the NFL do. That's all that every team does against Tampa Bay because they do have one of the most dominant run defense I've seen, what, since... Since the early 2000s, honestly, Vita Vey is a stud in the middle. You got downhill linebackers like Levante David and Devin White. So, you know, they're tremendous. They have a tremendous run defense. But shout out to Scott Turner for sticking to the run. 24 carries for just Antonio Gibson, not to mention the four carries for seven yards by Jared Patterson, not to mention the two carries that uh, J.D. McKissick had. So if you total those up, what is that? 20, that's 30 carries. That's 30 carries between your backs. Like that's 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 that a shout out to Scott Turner because even though you, they you didn't they didn't predict for you to stick to the run even though all the pundits and everybody thought that you were going to abandon the run I think I even saw some local beat reporters writing about that very thing you abandoned the run you stuck to you stuck to the script and the and the reason why I think we were able to put that that put down that 19 play. 10, 10 minute drive to you know seal the game is because you you know you were sticking to the run you kept the offensive line firing off the ball throughout the game with 30 carries you know that you kept them moving forward at the line of scrimmage and you know Tampa Bay they didn't expect it because guess what they're not used to teams running on them in, in the fourth quarter and I like I told you like I told you once Antonio Gibson had that 10 yard run on that final drive the, the soul was taken out of Tampa Bay's body even if Tom Brady was in, was was to come back out there. I didn't think they were going to do anything. Not today. Not today. Because if you were in that stadium, you felt the energy. You felt the energy. You felt the energy. You felt the energy coming in. And I think a lot of the energy coming in was to see Tom Brady. And it was a lot of hype of seeing, you know, the defending champions. And rightfully so. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a great team. The energy was consistent and high because Washington was, like I said, they were dominant throughout. You know, the Tampa Bay came out. They won the kickoff. They elected to receive the ball. Basically saying that they're not scared of our defense at all. I heard Bobby McCain in the press conference talking about that ticked them off, and rightfully so. 
Rightfully so, because that's all that they're saying in the NFL with analytics and things like that. And it frustrates me the most um, because, you know, our our organization, our coaching staff seems to stick to the analytics of, you know, getting the ball back in the second half. That's the most important thing. And I think it's just falling behind the, you know, Bill Belich's uh, check school of thought and things like that. And I'm not mad at it, but you have to give context to things like that. You know, our defense... I, I, I hate always having to put them outside uh, out on the field first because we're always coming from behind, it seems, this season. But, you know, Tampa Bay, they want to kick off saying, no, we want the ball. We want the ball. And what we, we do? What we do? What we do? We stopped them. We stopped them. We stopped them. We forced them to a punt. And then on the next drive, we forced them to an interception. And then the next drive, we forced them to another turnover. Tom Brady had his first two interceptions. To an exception, first quarter since 2012, and I think that was only the second of his career. This lowly defense that we've been talking about all season, I have no, I, have, I, can't, I have no word. Like I, I'm amazed, I'm amazed. But this is, I, this is, this is what the NFL guys. This is if you guys follow sports gambling and things like that. Double digit underdogs been winning for the last two weeks outright. It's crazy. It's crazy. The NFL is the world's biggest, longest-running reality show. It's crazy. It's crazy, but I'm glad that we were on the positive side of this reality show, at least for this week. Shout-out to you, Scott Turner. As I said, sticking to the run, sticking to the run, and going and going against the status quo of what everybody thought you were going to do. Like I told you guys, I've been a big advocate for Scott Turner this season because you got to think he's not playing with the most talented quarterback. He's not playing with his biggest offseason weapon in Curtis Samuel. He's not playing with Logan Thomas since week four. And he still has guys running open week in and week out, as I, as I tell you guys, because I'm there in the stadium every home game. He still has guys running wide open. He's turning DeAndre Carter into a star. Speaking of DeAndre Carter, guys, is DeAndre Carter our best signing of the offseason? He's got to be, right? He's got to be. I think it's either between him or Charles Leno Jr. But I might give DeAndre Carter the slight edge because, you know, I got to gotta stick up for my skill guys. You know, I love my skill guys, my speed guys. DeAndre Carter, three receptions for 56 yards and one touchdown. The touchdown was a beautiful route coming out of the stacked bunch position, creating leverage. He, he, he seems to have a knack for running those routes off the slot. He seems to have a knock from one of those routes out the slot. He's explosive. He leads the league. He still leads the league in kick return yardage. And I saw that he had an interview in the players' room, uh, most of Washington football team, likes and content on their website and things like that. They were asked, like, why you get so upset when you can't return a, a, a kick? And it's like, they taking food off my plate. You know, early in the season, I wasn't getting a chance to contribute on the offense as much. And like they, hey, they taking money, they taking money off the table, and I love that mentality. But guess what, DeAndre Carter, you're getting your chance to prove to, to contribute on offense now, and you're proving yourself. You, you're the, you're the, you're the founder of the offseason. for offseason that's been doom and gloom with your top three free agent signings not panning out to what you expected them to be. Guys like DeAndre Carter, you, you, you gotta, you have no choice but to marvel at, at, at what he's done this offseason. This is a guy who's a journeyman. We didn't expect nothing. I think he was signed to a reserve contract to start. And then we saw, I, I know this them in Richmond. He, he seemed to have a little juice when he was running and things like that. The same juice that he's he's exhibiting on Sundays is the same juice that I saw him have in Richmond. And, and I'm loving what I see. He seems like a guy that's willing to do whatever. He seems like a guy that's tough, undersized, but tough. 
You see him you see him dipping that shoulder down on kick returns. I'm loving everything that I'm seeing from DeAndre Carter. And those are the type of guys that you want to keep around. So while we're still talking about the receiving, let's go to my guy Terry McLaurin. While the stat line wasn't crazy, six receptions for 59 yards. Terry McLaurin is a is a is I, I love everything about Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin was clearly hurt. Um, I, I think that the Washington football team, I think the team fi uh, finally came out and said that it was a collarbone injury. But it, it happened on that bubble screen against Devin White. Devin White laid him flat. Uh, it was a, I think it was a one-yard gain. Um, and it, and it looked, it looked doom and gloom for guys that were really paying attention to Terry, like I am. Because, you know, he, he's my wide receiver, too, in my fantasy. Shout out to Cooper Cup. But Terry's right behind him. And you so, you know, I'm paying keen attention to, oh, what's going on with Terry? What's going on? You know, I want him to catch every pass. I want him to get every target. So when he was out, I was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't looking well. But this is a guy that came back taking shot after shot on that collarbone. That five-yard completion he had on the final um, possession, that 19-play drive, 10-minute drive, taking that hit from Whitehead, getting up, bouncing up, bouncing back, and letting him know, I'm too big. I'm too big. That's grown-ass man, Terry McLaurin. Like I've told you guys, this is my favorite player on the team. And while he might not be the best player on the team, because that best player, I'll mention him. I'll mention who I think the best player on this team is right now. Because that player is having a, a, a hell of a season, an amazing season. One of the most dominant seasons I've seen from a, a Washington football team player in, in recent memory. But going back to Terry, uh, like, right, he's a guy that doesn't complain. You know, he's a guy that, like, he's a warrior. He's a warrior. He's a warrior, and I, I think that's just having that third-round draft pick mentality. A lot of these first-round diva wide receivers who who may not be as good as Terry but may have a higher pedigree coming out of college and things like that, they wouldn't have fought through that injury. A collarbone that you're getting hit on in each and every play, and this is the guy that's still running routes in the middle, man. This is the guy that's still con con fighting for contested catches and things like that. Man, I love everything about Terry McLaurin. And y'all know I got to mention my guy. I did mention him earlier with his two carries, but you know, as as the as the as the self-proclaimed and self-anointed president of the JD McKissick fan, fan club, you know I have to shout out that you know he had four receptions for 35 yards. You know just just you know sticking to the trend that he contributes in every Washington football team victory. And I'm and I'm working on a nickname. I'm working on a nickname for JD. And I'm I'm just thinking of this on the fly. So bear with me if it's not cool. If it's not fly. But I'm going to call him J.D. Just Done Move the Chains McKissick. J.D. Just Done Move the Chains McKissick. Because it seems like every time he catches the ball, it's a first down. It seems like every time he catches the ball, it's a first down. This man has the awareness of knowing where the sticks is. He gets open. Like, I, I love everything about J.D. McKissick. Give me some more J.D. McKissick. Inject, inject, every, inject everything that you can give me about J.D. Just Done Move the Chains McKissick. Inject it all into my veins, cause you know, as the president of the fan club, that's 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 my guy. That's my guy. Shout out to JD McKissick, man. Offensive line, shout out to you guys. You guys are held up for the most part. Um, you guys were, were were battling. You guys were battling. Like I told you, that defensive front from the Bucks is no joke. And Dominican Sue via Vader, like they they are no jokes. They are no joke. Shaq Barrett, they are no joke. But we held up. We held up. They were still firing off the ball despite not getting, you know, substantial gains in the run. But guess what? Guess what? They won that last possession. When they had to chew that clock out, they chewed that clock out. They took 10 minutes off that clock. 
I don't care about the Indomitian Sue and Via Vea at that point. They were getting blown up off the ball with our backup center, Tyler Larson, there. With Brandon Scherf coming in and out of the medical tent. This team showed a lot of heart today. This team showed a lot of heart today, and that's all I can ask. That's all I can ask. No, I don't think we're making the playoffs. But if if we if we we if this this game proved to be a resurgence coming off the bye week, I'm here for it. I'm all here for it. I'm all here for it. Let's get to this defense, man. Before we wrap up, I don't want to keep you guys too long. First of all, prayers up to Chase Young. Prayers up to Chase Young. Prayers up to Chase Young, who I think is the most talented player on this team. Um, you know, we've been harsh on Chase in his play this year, but you never want to see a guy go down like that. And I even mentioned before Chase went down, um, first, first, I was I was hyped for Chase because this is the biggest lead we had all season, a 14-0 lead. And the position defensive end, especially when you're, you're looking to be a pass rusher and a pass rush specialist, you, your, your impact is, is predicated on game flow and game situation and things like that. Yeah, I, and, and I'm well aware of that. I'm just as harsh as the next man on Chase. But I, I've also realized that we've been down. We've been down in almost every game, so he's not allowed to pin his air back because the offense is guaranteed to be throwing the ball. He's got to play the run and the pass almost every down, which is unfair. Which is unfair. Which is unfair. Yeah, he should he should still have one more than one and a half sacks, but that all wasn't Chase's fault. And if you guys ever thought that that, that was our opinion over here, Bleeder BNG, that was never it. That was never it. Also, did think he could play better, but you never want to see a guy go down like that. Report is it's a torn ACL, and 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 I I, I I'll go ahead and say it. Um, I was actually standing um next to his dad. In the in the walkthrough in the atrium um, during halftime, and he was talking to a family member, I would assume, and he was talking about, yeah, it, it looks like a torn ACL. He was talking about how Chase has never had any major injuries in his life, and how he was just emotional when he went down there to see him. I guess he was coming back from, you know, where they're allowed to see the players and things like that, um, which sucks for Chase, man. Which sucks for Chase because, you know, um, as I said, he he was he was playing one of his better games while he didn't have a sack. Um, he was he was he was prominent on that first interception from Brady to say the least. Um, I know Jonathan Allen was in his face, but Chase had a nice outside rush on that play as well. And I also saw him use more uh, an array of moves, more moves that I saw use him use throughout the season. I saw him use more moves in those first two and a half, three possessions that he played than I had seen him use throughout the season. So I know you he heard the noise coming from Coach Rivera, coming from myself, coming from what fans of the community, coming from radio hosts and things like that. And for him to go down like that with a torn ACL, giving it his all, it just sucks, man. It just it's, it sucks. It sucks. But going back to this defense, man, this defense played their best game of the season. Yeah, I know we've been moving the goalposts. Oh, they did this. Oh, yeah, you know, they held the, the Packers to such and such. Oh well, you know they 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 were they were pretty good against the Broncos for three quarters. Oh oh, they were pretty good against the Chiefs for three quarters. No, this was the most dominant performance of the season. We we were we were we were at it for four quarters. While we didn't while we didn't record a sack, the best player on this team, and I think who was playing the best at the defensive tackle position in the NFL right now, Aaron Donald included, is Jonathan Allen. He was in Tom Brady's face all day. And if you wonder why if you wonder what if you wondering if you're wondering, excuse me, if you're wondering why Tom Brady stat line read for two hundred and twenty yards for two touchdowns and two interceptions, John Allen was basically the sole reason because of that. 
he had Tom Brady looking like an old man in that pocket. Because what, what did Tom Brady tell you guys? What did he tell you guys out of his mouth bothers him the most? Interior pressure. And John Allen was giving it all game. I think he only had two tackles, one solo, one assist. But the solo tackle, oh, my God, grown-ass man. With the stacking shit, the shit that the, the offensive lineman to stop the, uh, stop the running back on third and one, Leonard Fournette. Big Leonard Fournette. Oh, my. Like, Jonathan Allen is playing otherworldly right now. He deserved every penny of that contract. And he's playing like a top-five defender in the league at this point. And then he has the numbers to back it up. Yeah. Like I said, he's playing the best at the defensive tackle. Jonathan Allen is playing the best at the defensive tackle position in the entire NFL. Aaron Donald included. Aaron Donald included. And you can debate your mother. But going back to the rest of the defense, Jamin Davis was flying around the ball. Um, while he still doesn't look a little lost in coverage, and I'm still kind of susceptible to his eyes. I'm still kind of, kind of, kind of questioning his eyes and what he sees. But when he when he does see, oh my God, he's a heat-seeking missile. He's a heat-seeking missile. I remember, I saw. Uh, I remember one play vividly. Um, you got you guys got to forgive me. You know I'm backtracking. I was I was watching the games live, trying to take my notes in the stands and things like that. I remember one play vividly though. They allowed the reception, but he came in and just. And just smacked the dude like, and, and, and he, like he hit the dude in the back, and you still heard the impact in the crowd. That's how that's how how fast he was coming. So he's he's still you know Jamie's Jamie. I think that the game, while I while I do worry about his eyes, I don't think I think the game is slowing down for him a little bit. So once he gets that eyes component down, and once he's able to react to once he sees quicker, and he's able to react to what he sees, I, I think that we we might be coming on to something. We might be coming on to something, and we, he's showing some of that promise that he showed early in the draft. By no means is he living up to to us not drafting the quarterback, or no, by no means has he has he been a, a a steal of a pick at 19 to this point. But he is flashing, and he is showing some improvement. And that's all that I can ask for. That's all that I can ask for. Bobby McCain and William Jackson both called interceptions. Bobby McCain, shout out to you. You caught an interception, my guy. We were we were real hard on you last week because you dropped one of the easiest interceptions in in, uh, in in the last twenty years of interceptions that have been dropped and interceptions that have been caught. That was one of the easiest ones I've ever seen in my life, and you dropped it, bro. But guess what? You caught this one. And I will say this: I do think that Bobby McCain is playing pretty well as a deep safety. While I, as you guys have noticed, our defense has improved. Once Nandon Collins had moved closer to the line of scrimmage, but I think that our defense has improved as well because Bobby McCain is getting more comfortable in the scheme and he's getting more comfortable because he's playing next to Cam Curl. I think a lot of Bobby McCain, I don't think he had any physical limitations at all. He seems twitchy. He seems like he's still fast and things like that. But I think a lot of it was communication issues and he was trying to make up for a lot of what he knew Landon Collins wouldn't make up for. But as you see, his play has, has increased dramatically as Landon has played closer to the line of scrimmage. This is this was probably Landon's most quietest game since he's been moved closer to the line of scrimmage. But he was still he was still making impact. You know, he was still in the box, you laying a lick on on Leonard Fournette, which you need, which you need. While you might not see him having high tackle numbers in the box score, he was in there making that late hit on Leonard Fournette, which you need on those 240, 250 pound running backs. They need to fill it. They need to fill it. And Cam, and Cam and Cam Curl, Cam Curl, Cam Curl might be the best player on this defense. Second best player on this defense, excuse me. Cam Curl might be the second best player on this defense at this point. 
He was the cause of the first interception playing through the hands and things like that. And this is why this is why we've been getting this is why we're so hard on Jack Del Rio. This is why we talk about schemes and things like that. Because even though you like like all both of our interceptions today and, and, and almost the third one that got dropped by Kendall Fuller, which was a pretty pretty good play. All of our interceptions today was a result of us playing through the hands of the receiver. But guess what? You can't play through the hands of the receiver if you're not there because you're playing 15 yards off from the from the line of scrimmage at the snap of the ball. A lot, uh, I, we played a lot of man coverage today. I can tell that from the stands. We played more man coverage than normal, and we were physical. You know, William Jackson, he got an interception today because that's the scheme that he thrives in. Kendall Fuller, who while I don't think he's a elite press man corner, played really well today. Did get beat in, in press man playing against Mike Evans because I think that's due to coming some of the physical limitations that Kendall has at this point. But he played a really good game. He played a really good game. And if you look at both of our interceptions and the almost near interception, all of those were a result of us playing through the receiver's hands. And that was a result of us being in the receiver's grill from the line of scrimmage, playing press man and things like that. So shout out to that adjustment. I think that the coaches did a lot of self-scouting um, throughout throughout the season, uh, throughout the bye week, and realize they hey they got some improvement to do. Like we need to do check ourselves, bro. And you can tell, you can tell, you can tell. Um, so shout out, shout hey, shout out the Washington football team, man. I do want to give a big shout out to Joey Sly. Shout out to Joey Sly coming in, coming in on a short week, midweek. And, and, and seizing the opportunity in his first game as a Washington football team member. Going three for three on field goals with a log of 46. And what I loved about Joey Shad, you go to my Instagram page, at Bleeding BNG. Go to my Twitter page as well, at Bleeding BNG. He didn't celebrate after any kick. Ran right to the kicking tee like his business. Let me go kick this ball off. I loved it. I loved it. And he even showed some wheels running down, darting on one of those long kickoff returns. I loved it. I loved it. So, hey, the Washington football team balled out in all three phases of the game this week. Um, that's what you need to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or to beat anybody of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers caliber. So, hey, hey, great win on a Sunday leads to a great week. So, we're going to be pushing out a preview episode for our next game against the Carolina Panthers. That game is actually on my birthday. That game is actually on my birthday. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, this is my favorite time of the year. Thanksgiving, my birthday. And hopefully we can we can keep stacking up these Washington football team wins. So thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast, episode 35. Um, if you guys haven't followed our social media pages, please tap into our Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Bleeding BNG. B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. Please tap into our Instagram. That handle is spelled just a tad bit differently. It's at Bleeding B-N-G. B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. B-N-G. So it's two G's in our Instagram handle. If you have it, please subscribe to us. Like us on like our like our stuff. Comment on our YouTube page. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can search us at Bleeding BNG on YouTube or at Jalen Morgan. Or look up my name, Jalen Morgan, on YouTube. And guys, 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 we're on all podcast platforms at this point. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Review specifically, please, I mean, on Apple Podcasts specifically, please rate, review, and subscribe. Just leave a, a one-sentence review. Please give us a, a, um, a rating. Hopefully, it's five stars if you love us. And be honest, be honest. But, hey, we're trying to finesse these algorithms so that everything that we're pushing out at Bleeding BNG about the Washington football team is coming to you guys. 
because we're trying to be your number one source for the Washington football team. So thank you guys for tuning into another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. I'll be back with another one soon. Peace.